Hi, welcome to the Munch Bunch podcast. This is Kimi Nishimoto with my awesome co-host, Miss Megan Vano. Hello. <laughs> and today we have our special friend, Miss Gigi, Dr. Gigi. Hello, hello. Dr. Giselle Tadros, and she is located in New Jersey. You might know her as the fabulous Instagram, my favorite <laughs> profile ever on Instagram, uh, Milk Matters PT. If you don't follow her, you best follow her. Oh, yeah. I sent it, I sent it to all of my like friends with babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> if you're having a kid that's like struggling or your baby's struggling or having reflux or tongue tie stuff like Gigi. The amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk to her a bunch today. Um, we kind of want to talk about like tongue-tied babies, like babies with a lot of tension, tummy time, maybe some oral motor tools, and if we get to it, some primitive reflexes. So, Gigi, yeah. tell us about yourself. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much for having me on. It is truly an honor. Um, you know, we have dealt with each other in the past and I love you guys. And, um, it's just feelings mutual (laughs) to be on here and to chit chat about all these things that I have grown to be so passionate about, especially when I find my, uh, nerdy friends that will engage with me. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) We're here for it. (laughs) Yeah. So yes, I'm a pediatric physical therapist and an oral motor specialist. I have been a PT for over 21 years, um, pediatrics for the majority of those years. And I found my passion for tongue-tied children because I get to actually help them so early. So I've been a pediatric PT. I used to see children that would come to me at six, seven, eight months with torticollis, with developmental delays, and all these things. And once I started learning more and more about tongue ties, I realized that we could actually address this stuff way earlier. And these kids will never need therapy later down the line. So, you know, as you guys know, to get treated early makes all the difference in children. Um, The earlier they are, the faster they learn, and the quicker we can reverse things before too many compensations and tension and tightness all kicks in. And so treating these babies early, like I said, my motto is always, let's keep kids out of therapy. I don't want to be treating kids with developmental delays. I want to be getting to it early and addressing it and showing parents what they could do to nurture development going forward. So I do work a lot with babies with lip and tongue ties, pre-procedure, post-procedure, but really my goal is to empower parents on what they could do on their own to continue to nurture that development, the oral motor development, gross motor, fine motor, all that stuff in, you know, a a safe, easy, fun way. Um, And that's what my Instagram is all about. Funny fact, my business is actually called In-Home Pediatric PT. Milk Matters was just an Instagram account I created to start sharing information. And boy, did that blow up more than anything else. So it just was a testament to the need of having information out there. Um, 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I learned yeah. so much about myofunctional therapy and what you guys do and how it's different um, and just all how a multidisciplinary team can really impact these children in such a positive way. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So like with us, so, you know, really Kibby and I work with, you know, kind of kids and adults at five and up, we will kind of hang out with some three and four year olds sometimes, but it's more to give them resources, Um, you know, fun exercises, fun things to do and give them resources like you or an occupational therapist or even a a speech language pathologist, but really being able to work as a team and everybody working collaboratively together is so much of what we stand for and so much of what we see people actually have success with. Yeah. yeah, we love working with you. And I'm always stalking your Instagram. I'm always like tagging you and stuff that my baby has like when, you know, Izzy has your like newest toy. I'm like, look, she's using it. <laughs> I love that. I love seeing that because it just yeah. like, you know, like I said, I created it for parents to be able to treat their kids in a way, you know, and just help them to get what it is that we would be working on in therapy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, the tools and also like helping people not get frustrated you know, I think what you do is you really empower parents and, you know, to have fun with their kids. And I think that's so, so important because, you know, like I, I have a blast playing with Izzy all the time and being able to do those things, but then also it's also helping her like grow and develop, which is really, really cool and beneficial. So, um, Gosh, I know we want to talk about everything. We, we want to talk to you actually for hours. Um, so. <laughs> like it's probably good you know, I don't live in New Jersey. <laughs> Forget the podcast. Get the wine. Let's do this Joe Rogan style. <laughs> no, like we, would, we would never get any work done if we all lived in New Jersey together. So. <laughs> right? Well, yes. One day we've got to have like a big meeting. <laughs> yes. So tell us more. Talk to us about tension because what's so interesting and I think one big missing piece of the puzzle that even you know like I ran into is you know we're like okay like let's get the tongue tie release let's get the lip release let's get the cheeks release like you know Izzy had the full gamut um but you know these parents are told oh yeah if we just snip it you're good to go but there's not really a lot of conversation around well what happens next right that's one piece of the puzzle and then these kids still struggle or they still have you know tension issues and you know, parents are like, well, wait a second, I did what they told me to do, but why is my baby still having these, you know, reflux, or they're still off to the side, or they're still like, you know, having the same kind of issues they had before, but maybe just a smidge less. So can you talk to us a little bit more about how that kind of plays into what you do? The tongue tie in a nutshell will affect a baby's development. The mobility of the tongue really influences that deep front line of the fascia and it actually, you know, feeds into the core. That fascia line is such a big role in like structural stability, in movement, and just the baby being able to move. So a tongue tie, um, doesn't just restrict the tongue, it actually significantly can inhibit movement and depending on a lot of different things, um, intrauterine constraint, the position of the baby, labor, whether it was fast or uh, long, all those things can play into exactly what's going on here. So tongue-tied babies tend to be very challenged and uncomfortable in tummy time because of this fascial tension. And so a lot of parents tend to think that their baby hates tummy time, hates that position. So they stop putting them there. But, um, you know, 
part of my education is to help let everybody know that tummy time is really just a core foundation for all development and it can dramatically affect their progress developmentally. And so tummy time is so, so, so important in helping to get rid of some of that tension in addition to sort of some of the other body work that a lot of other people do. But tummy time really is like a, a whole body approach to addressing this oral motor piece here. Um, gravity plays such an important um, part in this. It helps to unwind the baby out of that like fetal position. Um, it really helps the tongue to move against its range of motion and just the movement in general. It allows it to figure out that it can move and it's there for feeding. Um, so a big part of what I do is just help parents get their babies feeling more comfortable in tummy time and that in and of itself will allow the baby to spend more time working on that tongue function. Um, so it really is so important. Um, and I think I just covered two of your questions in one. <laughs> I love okay. it. A twofer. A twofer. <laughs> now, can, can you talk to us a little bit, Gigi, about how tummy time helps like strengthen and elongate that deep front line and how it helps with tension? Because sometimes those, like, as you said, the tongue-tied babies, they get there and then they get all stiff and start screaming. So yeah. when done properly, how does that work? So I would say that, you know, the phrenotomy is never just a quick fix, right? And so in an ideal world, you want like a physical therapist or an occupational therapist or a chiro or cranial sacral therapist or an osteopath, massage, whatever it is to to work with the baby prior to, to prepare the baby's body and like just nervous system, that brain body connection for that upcoming change. Um, once the procedure is formed, there's obviously those wound healing um, exercises that have to be done, but then the baby really should be seen again for oral motor therapy and just that basic relieving the tension within 48 to 72 hours of the procedure. Um, that way we work on the neural pathways and stuff. Um, in my practice, I find that the pre and the post-op stuff is so critical to overcoming those oral motor issues, fascial restrictions, and just helping to restore that breastfeeding or whatever feeding relationship. Um, and so just being able to stretch some of those tissues last to relax and their nervous system to calm down enough to be able to do that oral motor therapy is why it's so important to have that um, comprehensive approach. Um, therapists in general are able to really just identify what specific needs that baby um, has and address them. So like you said, some of them are so stiff and tight, their shoulders are way up. So putting them on their belly is like, not it's not going to work so you have to get them to relax first and then they can extend and open up this whole fascial line and be able to perform tummy time in a um, more comfortable way so um, it's just you know so important to get the right people looking at your baby to identify what it is that they specifically need yeah and I think sometimes that's almost the hardest part is finding the right people <laughs> um, and finding the right people in your community and where, you know, is there an easy way to find those people? Like, do you have any recommendations as people are trying to find 
you know, the right lactation or the right physical therapist or, you know, those types of things? Yeah. So up until recently, the Health Latch Circle is trying to create like a more comprehensive database. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure where that is right now in terms of what they're doing. But what I have done on my Instagram account, I have a little highlights called Find Help. And basically, I've compiled all the different databases. So the ICAP and the IATP and then the um, IBCLCs, the um, orofacial myofunctional therapists, the speech therapists. So I'm trying to really compile all the different databases and directories out there. So it's all in my find help highlights. So you could go there, view them, swipe up, type in your, your zip code, and then try to find somebody from there. I That's do. So cool. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So some of them have international, some have just the U.S. So you really just have to go in and see. I have a whole bunch of different ones. And anytime someone gives me a new one, I put it on there. So yeah. Chris Lazaro Facial has one for people who have been trained by her. Um, anyway, so that's sort of where I always send people. As a last case, I tell people to go to the Facebook tongue-tie groups and then they can always find their different mom recommendations. That that can be a scary place though for moms because people just sort of post everything and you're not really always getting an objective yeah. idea of what's going on. It's more just like personal experiences. So just take those Facebook groups with a grain of salt, but there you could always find, you know, in your city or town, at least somebody that can mm-hmm. help Maybe you. Maybe guide you. Mm-hmm. And just if you allow me, I have for a shameless plug for a second, but I did Please. create um, two courses. One of them is called Suck Training, and the other one is just for tension in general. And there are two courses that I created because I used to get calls from all over the world many people out of state saying, can you please help me? I can't find anybody like you. And while there's nothing special about me, it's more just about the knowledge that I have and that I share with families. And so I created these workshops. I tried to keep them super inexpensive um, to allow parents to access this in a world where they may not have access to a therapist. So um, those are two great things that I feel have really helped so many parents that don't have access which is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of suck training and oral motor stuff, can you show us some of your favorite tools as well as reasons why they would want to use that? Like, is it for tongue lateralization, sticking it out? Is it sucking? Show us all your goodies. Yeah. See, I told you, you're my favorite nerdy friends. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope I'll give a personal review for each one because you guys, I literally own almost every single one that Dr. Gigi recommends. So (laughs) So again, I have a highlights on my Instagram page of toys and tools. I am a pediatric in your store. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to say I'm a pediatric PT. We play for a living. I like therapy to be fun and engaging for children. Of course, when babies are itty bitty, it gets to be a little harder. So I meet them where they're at developmentally and we work from there. So for little infants that are under 12 weeks, a lot of these toys, mamas are probably going to be holding for their baby as they start to open their hands a little bit more, reach and grasp for things and bring them to their mouth. They can hold them on their own, but that's one of the biggest questions I get all the time is when can I start using them? So you can start using them right away. It's just a matter of how much help you have to give your child. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always, always recommend the O-ball. 
made from plastic, blah, blah, blah. So this Ogo Bali is the same basic idea, um, but it's made of silicone, not made in China, all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Izzy loves her Ogo. Yeah, Izzy loves her Ogo. You can edit that out if you need to. It's fine. She loves it. It's fine. Right. So I'll show you with the Oval, but they're similar. But basically, for some reason, this thing stimulates tongue activity. So you put it up against their mouth and all of a sudden you'll start seeing their tongue going all over the place. They love to stick their tongue through the holes. And so again, a baby younger than three months of age, you're going to hold it for them. A baby that's older can grasp it and bring it to their mouth and you'll see their tongue just go to town. This thing is magic. Mm -hmm. We've been in PT for years for reaching, grasping, crossing midline, all those kinds of things. So I love the oval and it's great for just tongue movement in general. The one that I know, Megan, you said your babies love are these InnoBaby teethers. Mm -hmm. They're light. They're made of silicone. There are a lot of imposters out there. So make sure that you're buying from InnoBaby, the original, because they're actually one solid piece. The imposters, these things break off and kids can choke, which is scary. So this, I don't know if you guys can see, but it's very textured. Mm-hmm. So you like that side more than anything. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting for babies. Um, so again, you're going to find them lateralizing, mobilizing their tongue all over. I love using this one for babies who aren't really opening really wide. Mm-hmm. So I put it in this way and then I turn it allows them to open their mouth a little bit bigger. Um, And it's all in the form of play. So depending on how they grasp it and put it in their mouth, they'll be doing it to themselves as well. So just a lot of tongue mobility and exercise in general. If you want to beef up your play session, flip your baby over onto their tummy so that they're playing with these in that tummy time position. Mm. Supercharged workout. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the little bumps on there for? Like, what does that do? So yeah, everything that I show you always has some kind of texture. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see here, there's like different textures on yeah. this one too. Um, and that is just for interest and ha- allowing the baby to really use their tongue for exploration. So, you know, as you guys know, babies put everything in their mouth and mm-hmm. it's because <laughs> they get so much feedback to their brain. So their tongue can provide so much information up to Uh, the brain. And so we like to give them lots of different surfaces to just allow them to create that pathway. Um, Also, you know, these I find, and this is why I always say no crying, no forcing, this is playtime, because I want these oral motor experiences to be fun and engaging and exciting for these babies. So babies suck on anything that they can find. So give them Uh something that's going to be beneficial to them. Um, and then parents also, I feel like that releases them a little bit from having to always be shoving fingers in their mouth. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that takes some of the pressure off of a parent. Which one was that one, Gigi? Um, so this one is called the Floxy, I think. Made in yeah. the UK, the Floxy, F-L-U-X-Y. It's expensive. I actually really like these. These are oh, the Chewy Cubes made by Arc Therapeutics, P&Q. <laughs> P&Q. Um, here, they're, they're backwards in the camera. But anyway, um, again, this one, I love the long and skinny cylindrical shape. 
you put it in, they open big, they stick their tongue out to play with it, they move their tongue all around, and of course it practices that jaw opening and closing, so the biting is really important for kids. These are a lot more um, important in the older kids, um, or anything long and skinny that you can give a child who's over six months of age, because that's really when they need to start really working on the biting, um, is really beneficial for them. And then I have my last two that I want to show you guys that are really oh, good. Izzy loves that one. That's like her favorite toy. I'm an adult woman and I want <laughs> to play with that with my tongue. <laughs> okay, that might be a little weird, but it's okay. <laughs> like nothing less. <laughs> it's so funny. That just, it's okay. It's cool. We don't judge. <laughs> so, this one here is called the Atom. I love it for babies oh. with a high palate because whoop, it goes right up there. And so what yeah. happens, the tongue is going to follow. So mm. it stimulates the palate. It helps to desensitize that gag reflex. It also has the tongue follow and move up towards the palate. So I love this one. Again, doing it on their belly, supercharged workout, amazing. And then this has been also made by Manhattan Toy, and it's called the Squish. And same idea, I want these nubs up and in their mouth mm -hmm. um, to help with that high palate. Hmm. Yeah, Izzy goes nuts over the, I was going to see if I could find a picture for you guys. <laughs> there she's Wait, in her upsie. Yeah. Oh, the baby. Also in her upsie, and then also she's, yeah, no. <laughs> Literally yeah, everything. She's got like a pink clown nose because <laughs> yes. yeah. She's yeah. oh there she's actively playing with it yeah oh yeah she goes she loves this one yes yeah, oh. so you'll see them sometimes be like <laughs> oh yeah she does that a little you bit want, you know it, you want them to be able to control it rather than parents oh. freaking out every time they gag yeah. mm -hmm. so hard on that thing <laughs> yeah oh yeah she loves it on her tummy she's like she's that's that's a top three favorite toy for her mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Miss mm -hmm. <laughs> Gigi, talk to us a little bit about the correlation between kids that are in containers and that aren't doing a lot of tummy time and uh, how that relates to retaining primitive reflexes. So this is a bit of a complicated question and I'm not like super, super trained on primitive reflexes. So there is a big correlation between baby containers in general and limiting um, the movement of a child with their development. So a baby naturally has to move and, you know, turn their head, reach their arms, kick their feet, um, engage their core. That's how they learn to move. That's how they become curious about movement and looking. And that's what drives development. Um, so when you put a baby in a swing, a car seat for a prolonged period of time, um, swaddling for more than those like initial eight to 12 weeks, you're, you're basically limiting the baby's ability to turn their head, to move their arms. And also um, there's not really a lot going on, right? So they're not really very stimulated when they're in those things. So they're just kind of staring off or whatever it is. So I'm a big, big, big proponent of keeping a child on the floor. So blanket, you know, a nice mat, a blanket on their back, they can be on their belly, they can be on their sides, whatever it is, 
changing their direction all the time, but just allowing them that freedom of movement. I always describe like as adults, we wake up in the morning and we're stiff, but just that movement from like washing our face, brushing our teeth, taking a shower, by the time you're done getting ready, your joints have been lubricated and you forget that you were actually ever stiff. So the same thing happens with a baby. If you're limiting their movement for this long period of time, they never get to experience that movement. Now, primitive reflexes, so babies are born with reflexes that allow them to move in order to basically function throughout the day. So the suck reflex is intended to allow them to suck when their muscle, they don't have that muscle activity to be able to do it. Um, There's um, the startle reflex, you know, there's all these other primitive reflexes that babies are born with and with that normal movement. So primitive reflexes, Reflexes lie in the brainstem. So, you know, when the doctor like hits you with the the hammer and your Mm -hmm. knee goes out, the knee jerk, that also is in the brainstem. So it doesn't require any of the higher level centers of the brain in order to be elicited. So it's a measure of brain function, which is great. But as humans, we have these higher brain centers above the brainstem that are responsible for active movement. And so as a baby grows and develops, you want that part of the brain to start developing. When you limit a child's ability to move, those higher centers of the brain are never activated enough. Mm. And so those reflexes are retained or they never disappear is what that means. And those um, active muscle patterns don't really form as well. So You'll see this a lot now. We're realizing that like kids who have difficulties, you know, in class, like copying from the board or reading or whatever, all these things actually relate back to a lack of movement as an infant. So a big part of what we preach is just allowing a baby to be free, you know, getting them out of a swaddle, putting them on the floor and just allowing them to look to like punch their arms and to just be free. It prevents that stiffness and it allows them to just develop in the way that they were um, meant to. I think that we live in a world now where everyone is multitasking. There's so much pressure on moms to go back to work or to like do laundry or cook or clean the dishes or whatever it is. And so we end up wanting to just kind of put the baby in one little spot so we could do what we need to do. And it's really, it's a, it's a disservice to all of us. It's a disservice to mamas because we're just taking on too much when really your job, when you're on maternity leave is to care for your child, not all that other stuff. (laughs) Um, And then more importantly, it's a disservice to your child who never gets that active movement. So I would even say before all these containers even came into existence, um, motor milestones would happen faster. We would say babies roll at three months, sit at six months. um, And now we're delaying that a little bit because babies are just not getting as much movement. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, because Izzy's been hitting all of those, but she lives on the floor. Even like, uh, even if she's at grandma's house, like 
she lives on the floor. So yeah. my mom's like, I just always, that's where I always put you guys. And I'm like, you you knew all about it before I did, mom. <laughs> yeah, and it's so true. Like naturally parents are always like, what is this? Like, where did you get this? You know, they may have had a swing and that's what they would use sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent opposed to them. I just want you to use them in moderation. You know, obviously if you have to take a shower, put your baby somewhere safe that they're not going to you know, so it's okay to use for 10, 15 minutes a day, but not to sleep in for sure. And um, certainly not for the majority of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one thing that Megan and I learned when we did Munchie University, because Megan and I are Mayo Munchie ambassadors, uh, was the Mary Burke, who's the, the CEO, was teaching us that babies that live in containers, they're more likely to get like the flat head, the plagiocephaly as well as like the reflexes aren't integrating because it's hard to move around. So that was really interesting to me because I'd never heard of that before. She actually suggests uh, adults get on the ground too and lay on their back on the ground to help with the tension in the spine and help lubricate those joints. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, that's basically why I have a job where physical therapists in general, right? It's just this Uh lack of movement that is happening in our society that like, is causing Mm -hmm. so much tension Um, and absolutely so a baby's head in the first year of life is actually soft Um, the bone doesn't really become bone until about that one year mark so if a baby is in that same position all the time then they will develop those flat spots but in other news just as quickly as it can um, misshapen it can also reshapen because a baby's the reason it's soft is because a baby's brain grows so much in that first year so it allows for expansion so a baby's head will return to its natural shape just by virtue of growth um, if you're getting them off or out of those containers off of that pressure um, so that's good news everything in an yeah. infant is so reversible. And that's why I love this population because I can get in there and educate parents early, show them what to do, what not to do. And then, you know, at, at 10 months, they call me and they're like, my baby is walking. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm going to have an early, an early walker. She's like already ready to crawl. She's getting up on her hands and knees and rocking and, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly it. Like, as a PT, I find that fascinating that like the movement drives the curiosity, which drives the cognitive development. Mm-hmm. So they see things, they're going to work hard to get it. And they're, they're going to try, they're going to move their muscles. They're going to learn, they're going to mess up and they're going to try again. And so to me, that's what I find so fascinating is watching the brain develop. Um, and that drives the muscles to get stronger. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, Gosh, I know we need to kind of wrap it up here shortly. I know all of us have to, you know, hop on to our, our patients and, you know, shove lunch down our throats real quick. But um, if you had any just kind of like kind of top advice for parents on like first steps or, you know, what to do, what would you say? Like, because it's so overwhelming being a new parent. Like what, what kind of like what nugget can you leave us with for parents out there? So I'm going to tell you guys a story, but my, my nugget is to hone in and learn to hear and trust your gut. I call it the superpower of motherhood. Um, and I think myself, even I, I doubted it for a really long time, but we know we're born with this gift that um, we know what's good for our babies. And like something doesn't sit right, doesn't resonate right. 
trust that gut. Um, quick story. My husband is a pharmacist and my daughter at three months, I went to pick her up from the crib and I picked her up and she felt warm and warmer than she normally would feel. And so I'd never had a sick baby before. So I said to him, I think that um, Ella has a fever. And so he went, grabbed the thermometer, measured her temperature, and it came out normal. And of course, no disrespect to dads, but he's like, you always overreact. You're such a drama <laughs> queen. She's fine. Well, let me tell you, within 20 minutes, she spiked a one-on-one fever. She went to the hospital. She had RSV. She oh. needed nebulizer treatments and all this other stuff. And so, yeah, parents can tell before dads and before thermometers that there's something wrong with their child. We're just given this gift of intuition. And it's a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Um, and so just to trust it and... Um, there are so many people out there available to help you. So just, um, you know, it's, you will get better at figuring out what's noise and what's sound information, but just believing in your own gut and um, relying on the, the others or the professionals to sort of lead you. If your baby is struggling with oral restrictions and you're navigating that, um, I do have a free PDF that they can um, get and it sort of helps them just identify what the symptoms are, who they may need, and then who to reach out for for help and how to find someone in their area. So I can send that to you guys to link it below. Yeah, that'd be perfect. You're a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, just to, just um, I'm always here too. My DMs are open. They can always send me a message at Milk Matters. I check them myself for now. And um, I'm happy. Yeah, and I can attest to that. She does. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Dr. Gigi, for joining us. It's been so great. So Milk Matters PT, but also in-home pediatrics, right? PT. PT. Yeah. In-home pediatric PT. Every once in a while, I'll say, hey, are you following me over at in-home? Come <laughs> hang out over here. But mm-hmm. yeah, my, my goal is always that once you're done with your tongue tie issues, come over to in-home and I'll show you how to play with your baby in like a fun uh, way. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, as per usual, you guys can always find us at the Munch Bunch podcast on Instagram. You can find myself and Kimmy on there as well. Mouth, Muscle, Memory and uh, NWMFT. You can find us, contact us. We can get you in touch with Dr. Gigi if we need to and help you with those resources as well. So Kimmy, any final words you want to end us off with here? Um, I would just say everybody needs to follow Milk Matters, even even if you don't have a baby, if you like potentially are pregnant or want to be pregnant or you are wanting to help guide moms, you know, because sometimes like we are working with tongue-tied kids, but that kid has a little sibling. So it's good to know like the baby symptoms, even though Megan and I, like as myofunctional therapists, we don't treat babies. It's good to know those symptoms so we can be good advice givers. Mm-hmm. So follow Milk Matters. She's lovely. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Thanks, Gigi.